Absolutely nothing beats windshield time. Welcome back to Dan the Road Trip Guy, a podcast where we have candid conversations about life lessons learned on the road. I'm your host, Bimmer enthusiast and road trip extraordinaire, Dan Neal. And now on to the show. I am on a virtual road trip again today. I wish we were in the car together. My guest is Jason Holt. Um, Jason is a pastor and is currently a chaplain and director of ministry for Indy Car Racing. I told him earlier, I saw him walking through the paddock at Mid-Ohio. I turned to my wife and I said, I really got to get that guy's story. And she goes, well, get him on your podcast and find out. I'm excited to talk to Jason today. So welcome to the show, Jason. Yeah. Hey, Dan. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, man, excited uh, to see what what goes on today. And I'd uh, love to just share a little bit of just my story and and this crazy world that we live in and how I ended up to be a chaplain for the NTT Data IndyCar Series. Thank you very much for being here. Well, you'll appreciate this for sure. I, I usually say, hey, let's take a warm-up lap. We'll take a warm-up lap around mid-Ohio. Just take a couple minutes and tell people just who you are. Yeah. So, you know, I um, I think for me, uh, my life, there's this like real division in it before we ever really get started on things of what I consider BC and AC before, before Christ and after Christ. You know, I know for me, my, my heartbeat growing up in Indianapolis, my whole life was racing. Um, it was the center of my world. It was everything to me. And, you know, and I'm sure we'll get to it, but just involved in various aspects of racing. And then all of a sudden, um, later in life, met Jesus and everything shifted and changed. Currently, I, I live in Ormond Beach, Florida. Uh, we moved down here about what do we have? Six years ago. Um, absolutely love it. I'm so thankful that I get to call this place home. I have two little boys, a seven-year-old and a two-year-old. Needless to say, my wife loves me when I come home from the races over the weekend. Um, they're a lot of fun. We hang out at the beach and and then my seven-year-old's racing go-karts now. So I spend a lot of time at the racetrack with him because, well, the generational curse repeats itself. That's really just a bit about my life. Thanks for sharing that. And you know, my, my son and I uh, participated in go-kart racing when he was growing up. That was uh, some of the best memories uh, I have. Oh, that's awesome. I um, I honestly moved to Florida to keep him as far away from it as possible. Um, <laughs> and I thought, you know, I thought, well, surfboards are cheap and the beach is free. Let's do that. You know, and of course, it always starts somewhere. He started racing BMX. I met another dad who had an Eldora shirt on, which was my favorite racetrack. We started talking about it. Two months later, there's a racing go-kart sitting in my garage and so here we go <laughs> there you go have fun with that that's it this is dan the road trip guy i love road trips i love cars and uh, i've been a racing fan for all my life i'm not a racer but uh, what was your first car oh, oh man my first car was awesome i loved it it was amazing i had a 79 cutlass supreme banana yellow oh, banana nice. yellow yes Man, it only had, I think when I got it, it only had like 80,000 miles. And I got it in 90, gosh, what was it? Not to share my age too much, but I think it was like 95. 95 is when I got it. Okay. Man, loved that car. Had a lot of good good road trips and times in that car. And it was really uh, interesting how I got it as well. So tell, tell us. When I was about 12 or 13, I was an avid snowboarder growing up. I just, I love snowboarding. I think I've always had a passion for surfing. But since I grew up in Indiana, it didn't make sense. Um, so I snowboarded instead and had some buddies. And we, um, I'm not sure why my mom let me do this, but I drove to Michigan with a bunch of older guys. Like these guys were like late teens, early 20s. 
they were driving up to Michigan to go snowboarding, inviting me to come along. So at like, I was like 13 or 14, um, she let me go with them. Um, crazy. I'm not sure why. But anyway, we went snowboarding. We went midnight boarding, snowboarded all night, drove back. And so we're all tired. It's like super early in the morning, a winter's day in Indy. There's snow on the ground. And I, I get out of the car and there's this little old lady laying on the ground. She was frozen. She wasn't, she was still coherent. So I picked her up, helped her into her apartment. I called 911. She had slipped and fell on the ice, broke her hip. So she, she, we lived in an apartment. She was our downstairs neighbor. I became friends with her. Her name was Adele. She was a male lady for like 50 years. Um, sweet old lady. We became friends. And so that was her car that she gave me for my 16th birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was just really special. Um, we had a really special relationship. She, of course, went on to be with the Lord. But, you know, I'll always remember that car. It always has a special place in my heart. Assume you didn't hang on to it, right? No, no. Unfortunately, I had to let that go to one of my old roommates. I needed to buy a truck for uh, for racing. My old roommate at the time for 500 bucks, sold it to him and sent it on down the river. You've obviously traveled a lot with racing and, and maybe other things. Uh, yeah. Any epic road trips that stand out in your life? Yeah, there's, there's a couple. Um, I mean, there's actually quite a few. That's, um, you know, I think one of the things that I love most about racing is the adventure. The races come and go. You forget where people finish and all the work that went into it to some degree, but the the road trips are where the memories are made. And, you know, certainly got a couple. There was one, I want to say it was 2008. I had a, a ride where I ran midgets. Our, my car owner wanted to go race Knoxville. And oh, I, I've always dreamed of racing Knoxville. I'd rather be there in a sprint car, but I got to run there in a midget. My roommates and I, and then my, what now is my wife jumped in the car and we just made an incredible adventure out of it, stopping at all kinds of random roadside things. And we ended up getting to Knoxville and we're so excited to, to get to the track. We stopped at a gas station to get some ice and then drove over to the track, started unloading the car, working on the car. My phone rang and it was my crew guys. Turns out I left them at the gas station. Um, <laughs> so I had to get back in, go pick them up. Yeah, certainly there. And then, of course, driving out to Chili Bowl um, was always an adventure. Do you remember taking trips as a young man? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My, you know, back, you know, I think that was the thing I appreciate most about growing up when I did. I was born in 79. And, you know, those of us that are Generation X, you know, there's a lot of things around that generation where our parents, not that they didn't care, but seemed like they didn't really care. Um, yeah. You know, we were laying up in the back deck of the rear window or in the floorboard. Or I remember going to Florida a couple of times as a, as a kid uh, in the back of my dad's truck. He had a he had a camper shell and he used to throw like a mattress back there and some other things. And my sister and I would ride in the back of the truck. Yeah. I, I'm not sure what they were thinking on that one, but Hey, you know what? I survived. Okay. Here we are. And so it's all good. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think kids might be missing out today on some of that, that fun <sighs> stuff we did. I'm starting to wonder if we're going to start putting helmets on them next, but yeah. um, we, it's all uh, good. I, uh, my family used to drive from Kentucky down to Florida to visit family. We had a 65 Plymouth Fury, mm -hmm. no AC, bucket seats. Oh. Um, wish we had that back. It was my parents. And I remember my brother got the back seat. He was nine years older and I just pretty much slept in the, in the well up back there in the <laughs> back seat. And I just have such great memories of that. Oh, there's, um, there's an adventure there, right? I mean, those obviously the, those moments mark you because we can remember them 30 plus years later. Exactly. You're you've been in motorsports sounds like most of your life. Uh, how yeah. did you how did you get started professionally? 
Yeah. So my, like I mentioned, like my dad, he had, he had owned, um, USAC midgets, sprint cars, champ cars, which USAC champ cars back in the sixties, that's kind of the beginning of, you know, indie cars really. He had that in the sixties and seventies, but my dad was, a, was an interesting guy. He was, he was fairly old. My dad had me when he was 50. Okay. Um, so he's, he'd been around a little while and knew some things, knew a lot of people in racing. And so by the time I showed up, in 79 and in the 80s he was a race fan to some degree would take me to the races we'd go see sprint cars you know nascar um some indy car stuff but i didn't realize his history in racing i had no idea until one day i was being a kid at our at our farmhouse and started digging around and i found an old picture of a of a midget back in the 60s and there's mario andretti sitting in it oh my and even as a young kid i knew who mario andretti was and there was my dad so I took it to him and he was a little upset that I found it. Then he had to kind of share his story in racing. But it's interesting. He tried to keep me away from it. I think my dad's heart, he had been around long enough. He'd known. He, he tried to keep me away. My mom, when I was like six, bought me a couple of racing RC cars. And so that's what I focused on. I worked on those and ran a lot of big races, got sponsored as a kid. When I approached around the age of 10, 11 years old, my dad's friends really laid into him and made fun of him for not putting me in a go-kart. And so he finally caved into that peer pressure and so got me a racing go-kart. But my dad, you know, it was interesting. He would help me a little bit, but because he's been around so long, he watched how a lot of race car drivers, you see it today, big time, it's on full display. A lot of drivers, their parents just ultimately ended up throwing money at it. You know, the kid's for the most part, didn't really have to work at it as much because mom and dad just, you know, they, they just threw money at it. My dad, although he, he did have quite a bit of money, you would never tell. You know, he'd shop at Dollar General. He drove a beat up pickup truck. Sure. He he was just, he lived through the, the depression. And so I think that affected him and how he, you know, certainly lived his life. And so for me, um, he helped me. But then when I was 15, I'll never forget it. He said, Jason, if you want it bad enough, Let's see you make it happen on your own because okay. I'm not going to pay for it. That as a, as a young boy, that honestly like devastated me because I, I really wanted to go racing with my dad. So my career, if I'm honest, and I don't mean to be crass when I say it this way, a majority of my career was set out to prove to my dad that I don't need you. That's what drove me. Okay. Um, that and then, of course, starting the Indianapolis 500 was always my dream. Um, so I made it happen. You know, I worked hard. There were times where I'd work two and three jobs. You know, especially when I, when I got, uh, when I had a sprint car, I owned my own sprint car. I did whatever it had to take. I'd build uh, indie car headers in the, in the morning and I'd go build, you know, sprint cars at DRC in the evening. I'd work weekends, do whatever I had to do to go racing until I could get rides and others would pay for it. But, um, so for 24 years, I got to, to drive 12 years of that was in, uh, uh, USAC sprint car, uh, ran some midget. When I retired from cars, I actually got a couple of race bikes, raced motorcycles for a little while. And then from, for a season, I had my own company building sports cars. Uh, so I ran some sports car stuff up in Chicago, Wisconsin area. So kind of all over the place, but, yeah. um, wow. you know, my heart was always IndyCar. That's all I cared about was making it to Indianapolis as a driver. Unfortunately, that never happened, but such as life. Is there a is there a memorable race? Just one that uh, stands out to you that you know it was just you know it's just a great memory. Yeah, I you know there's there there is quite a few. There's uh, I have two that I can share. I um, Eldora has always been my favorite racetrack because I've been scared of it. If I'm honest, 
I remember my first year in a sprint car, I wanted to go to Eldora. I grew up watching races there. I want to do it. I want to try it. I'll never forget. I was sitting, sitting there in hot laps. I'm watching them push cars off. I'm suited up. I'm ready to go. I'm strapped in. My dad's sitting on the left rear. Inside, I'm freaking out. Like, there's no other way to describe it. And my dad, my dad pats me on the shoulder, push truck gets behind me. It starts shaking the car. My dad gets up off the left rear. He pats me on the shoulder and said, well, Jace, just so you know, you've been a good son and walked away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, that first time of, of, of flipping the switch, hitting the throttle of a 900 horsepower sprint car at Eldora is a moment I'll never forget. Wow. And then fast forward quite a few years, because it took me a little while, but um, the first time I ran the fence at Eldora, where I ran the right rear off the wall, three and four, able to run up on the fence and ended up running second that night. That was um, that was probably one of the most memorable moments of my racing career, because I never would have imagined I would be the guy that could could run the fence at Eldora. A lot of people run Eldora. It's one thing to run the bottom or the middle of the racetrack, but it's the guys that can actually get up on the wall and run the fence that, man, there's something special there. So, uh, Very cool. Thanks for yeah. sharing that. That's fun. Yeah. We, we talked about a little bit uh, life uh, before Jesus, life after Jesus. I'm yeah. really interested because on the, on the website, it mentions a, a Jesus moment I filmed yeah. in. But uh, what was that? I, honestly, like I racing – Racing is a pretty extreme environment. I, I lived a very extreme life. You know, at the time, my roommate, uh, Thomas Meserol, I think many people know him as T-Mez or whatever, but he's not T-Mez, he's Thomas um, to me. We used to ride bikes and we'd go race country roads. I mean, we just lived a very extreme life. I lived on the gas all the time, especially partying. Um, we had a Jaeger machine in my kitchen, had massive house parties all the time. It was just, there was always something going on. You know, you can only live life to the to the extreme like that for so long before it catches up to you. And so in 2010, my wife and I, frankly, we just burned our lives to the ground. Partying, living the life we lived um, really caught up with us. Not to mention, racing was the centerpiece of my life. And when you worship or essentially have something like racing, something so feeble as the center point, center point and foundation of your life, it's bound to crumble. And And it did. We just burned our lives to the ground financially our marriage was in the tank you name it it was just horrible in a six-month period anything that could go wrong did um, i mean it was the absolute worst six months of my life at the same time a, a good friend of mine his wife uh, had just walked out on him so he was in a broken place and so his dad had helped move a church to their new building with their race trailer okay and so he said he said hey why don't you um Let's go to church. I don't know what it's all about, but let's just go. So we showed up at church one Sunday. I don't know what the pastor talked about. It was cool. I mean, it's fine. But we came back and we came back and then we kept coming back each and every week. I didn't know why. I didn't know what was going on. I, I don't remember any powerful sermon that he said or anything like that. I just know that God was drawing me unto himself. We took the uh, membership class, ended up hearing the gospel presented for the first time and really coming to understand what it meant for my life. That it wasn't about cleaning my act up. It wasn't about quitting partying. It wasn't about stop doing all this other junk that I was doing. It was just come. Here's who Jesus is. Just come. And so we did. Over the next couple of years, God would just radically change my life. I was still racing, only now I was racing for Jesus, right? I, I had a different purpose. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about my career. God just really changed my life. And then in 2012, 
I had a full hired ride, was getting paid to drive sprint cars, which next to my dream of racing the 500 was the ultimate for me. God, I was leaving the racetrack. I'll never forget. It was Gas City in April. Had my wife, my dog, and my helmet bag just walking across the parking lot. I think I ran fifth that night or something. Um, And God told me it's time to step away. I audibly heard God tell me this. And I know for some that might sound a little spooky and weird, but it is what it is. I thought, honestly, God was telling me to take a break. You know, I've been doing it 24 years. You just need me to take a break. And then he's going to bring me back better than ever. So I called my car owner the next day and just said, hey, I can't explain it other than God told me to quit for now. And so I need to step away. Now, he was a Christian, so he he understood. Um, So for the first time in 24 years, I stepped away from racing. Little did I know that it would be six months later, my transition into ministry full-time would happen. I had no idea. I'd been serving at church, doing a lot of things. I've been, had a couple guys discipling me. Six months later, almost to the day, the church we were at, Connection Point in Brownsburg, approached me about a full-time position. Um, It was at the time I was a welder, so I was, you know, building IndyCar exhaust, NASCAR exhaust, a, a pretty um, specific welder. I welded Inconel, a lot of things that most welders can't do. So I was making pretty good money. And Connection Point, when they offered me the position, it was a 75% pay cut. I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. I was so angry. I felt led to it. And my wife, she's amazing. She, um, she just helped me see kind of God's hand in it. I uh, stepped out of racing completely and came a pastor. Wow. So good for you. Good for you for listening and following through because, uh, you know, a lot of times God speaks to us and we're like, "Ah, I don't, I don't think that was God, but yeah, I'll uh, I'll try this other thing first. Well, it, um, you know, when I tell people that they're like, oh yeah, that must've been hard. Well, what, what most people don't realize unless you've been in it, that was my identity. Like as a race car driver, that's who I was. And, and God, God doesn't compete with those kind of things. Like it's, it's God's got to be number one or he deserves to be number one. Let me say it that way. It's, it was a really hard, dark season. And, and it still is. If I'm honest, there's times where I see a lot of the guys I raced with having incredible success now. And it just like, that could have been me. That's what I love about God and his power of redemption. You know, I'll never forget the first time I preached God's word at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Because again, that was my dream to make it there. I remember, you know, God, I had this thought that, you know what, there's a short list of, of great men and women that have taken the green flag at Indianapolis. But there's an even shorter list of people that have got to preach the gospel at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And so which is more important? Wow. Cool story. Thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah. And I have to say, you know, I was watching you at Mid-Ohio. I was like, that guy guy has the best job. (laughs) I do. I I love being a chaplain for IndyCar. The fun thing is a lot of those guys knew me in my racing days. A lot of those guys, a lot of the guys in IndyCar, they used to come to my house party. Oh, okay. Fun. The first time I showed up as a chaplain, they looked at me like, what is wrong with you? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Because I've been away from racing for a long time. And here I come back loving Jesus, wanting to pray. It was was quite the transition. So It was fun. I think we saw you at Mid-Ohio last year and we were standing there watching the drivers walk out to the cars and and you were just praying with each one of them as they came out. And that was, that was just really a cool sight. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great honor. And um, I certainly don't take it lightly. I'm beyond thankful. Again, thanks for sharing that. Um, Yeah. I'll shift gears on you a little bit. What's on your bucket list? You know, one that stands out, I'm, 
other than still uh, driving at uh, Indianapolis, right? <laughs> yeah, of course, that one. But I actually got to run the two-seater uh, this past May around Indy, and that was pretty surreal. Even though it's, you know, the two-seater, it was it was cool. So if you've never done it, you got to do it. It's, okay. it's cool. But I think, you know, for me, I've been passionate about surfing since I was little. It didn't make sense, but, you know, I'm, I'm a surfer now. I go out and I surf. You know, as soon every time there's waves, I'm out in the water. I love surfing. For me, I think at this point in my life, a bucket list is the North Shore of Oahu in December and January when Bonsai Pipeline is 15 to, to 18 foot waves. Certainly way beyond my skill level, but just to be able to sit on the beach and watch those guys, just to be there would be, that would be it for me, I think. All right. Well, I hope you get to do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, here's a question. It's always a favorite of mine and to ask people, if you could take a road trip with anyone, uh, mm-hmm. living or deceased, uh, who would it be? Where would you go? What would you drive? Maybe that Cutlass, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, what would you talk about? You know, I think for me, I, I, I love, again, I love your, your podcast. I love your direction with it, with the road trip idea, because there is something special. There's a closeness when it comes to a road trip and maybe that's because you're stuck in a car together and you can't get out. And so you might as well just let it ride. But, um, honestly, I think for me, one person that stands out that I would love to just jump in the car and drive to the West coast with would be Jan Opperman. You know, he, uh, just incredible, incredible guy, incredible story. Um, if you haven't read dialed in just a, a really cool biography on his life, but you know, he was certainly somebody that loved Jesus, was a, an incredible race car driver, and just his era of racing, the stories that guy could tell. It'd be me, him, and probably Bubby Jones in the backseat. I've known Bubby, you know, he was an amazing man. And so those two just cruising to, to California, maybe one of their dirt tracks out there, just to hear their stories would be, uh, would be amazing. Fun road trip. Take the back road. That's it. Well, hey, Jason, our, uh, our little virtual road trips uh, coming to an end here, and, and I can't thank you enough for, uh, for doing this. I know you don't know me, but uh, yeah. this, is, this has just been fun for me. Absolutely. Yeah, grateful. I'm glad you, uh, glad to, that you had me on. Tell people how to find you, the ministry, how they might volunteer. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as Dana mentioned, I'm, I'm the director and chaplain with IndyCar Ministry. And, you know, a lot of people do get to see the, the kind of the front side of, of what we do, um, praying with drivers, praying with teams. Um, and we're certainly grateful and honored to get to do so. But what a lot of people don't see is what happens behind the scenes. You see, as we're watching beautiful race cars and beautiful people on TV and we're entertained by the sport of IndyCar racing, and it's, in my opinion, the best racing in the world, next to sprint cars, of course, um, there's a high price that is paid to put on that show. And that price is paid. These guys are working insane amount of hours in incredible conditions under intense stress and anxiety and pressure. They're gone away from their families for weeks on end with very few days off. I mean, it's incredible the amount of just encouragement and, and, and things that we get to bring to the team. We're at the track when they're at the track. We're there all day, every day, um, doing counseling and meeting and helping and serving people. And so I say all that to say, like being a part of IndyCar ministry, we want to have as many people a part of this with us as possible. And so you can do that by joining us at IndyCarMinistry.org. We are, we are actually getting a new website coming in the next few weeks. Um, we have a YouTube station that you can follow us. We do devotionals each and every week and different updates there. And then, of course, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
all of those avenues, you can stay up to date. And and like I said, we um, we want people to partner with us. We're a 50C3. We're a non-for-profit organization. The only way that we make it to the racetrack is because of people like you that support us, um, whether that's 25 a month, 50 a month, or a one-time gift, whatever that looks like, um, it is a, a tax donation. But beyond that, you know, you get to, um, you get to make an impact in the sport that you love. You know, there's a lot of, there's thousands of fans around the world for IndyCar, but how many of them are actually making a difference in the sport? And you can do that today through supporting uh, IndyCar Ministries. That's a bit about us. And um, yeah, Dan, thanks again for, for having me on. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dan, the Road Trip Guy, and we look forward to having you back again next time. In the meantime, if you want to find me, you can find me on the internet at Danny, D-A-N-N-Y, Neal, N-E-A-L, dot com. Until we meet up again, keep having conversations and keep driving. Mm-hmm.